Oh yes, this third attempt. I've been uh, busy today trying to judge because I'm I'm on the committee of this. Uh, I'm one of the directors of this apartment block. So, okay. you know, every every block has a social housing section. I didn't know that because right, um, I don't even know what my neighbors look like. <laughs> no, I I'm just a director because I signed up to to sort out other issues and then suddenly the people on the private end. Uh, having an argument with people on the, uh, the not private. Oh, yes. <laughs> I see. Uh, it reads like that. You know, the, the government has this, uh, I don't know if it's still in effect, but if you want to put up a, a block or in your apartment block, whatever, you've got to make it part of it public. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's basically what the issue is. But I didn't, I didn't realize uh, that it was a, just a British problem because I know in America, from certain states, you don't have to do stuff like that, but it seems... It's an England problem. No, I mean, I mean, it's 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 kind of so. In my block, I pay yeah. a lot, I pay a lot of money for rent every month, okay. And yeah. and as much as I'm a liberal, the idea that somebody pays like maybe a tenth of what I pay a month to live in the same yeah. block bothers me. All right, <laughs> I don't think it's fair. I honestly don't think it's fair. And people might think this is rather harsh, but I think yeah. the government needs money, and they need money yeah. in terms of. If the area is a premium area, charge premium for it so we can get maximum money to put into other projects. Okay, I don't yeah. see the point of putting people who can't afford to live in a premium area, putting them there and having them live there subsidized. I don't see the point of that. I, really well, I think I think their view is that if you isolate them and say, okay, look, let's have poor areas and let's have rich areas, then the poor would, would probably entrench their poverty because everybody around them is poor. But... I think the aim is if every new development has a specific block for social housing, as they call it, then they're not isolated from society. It's a noble goal. It's nice. I mean, uh, there's a there's a joint in Clapham that you know I was looking at not to buy because I have this Clapham I can't afford it just to move into to rent or whatever. Yeah. And there's a there's a block right next to the private block. And yeah. The kids are smoking and drinking and making noise, and you go look there. They're telling the rent is over two thousand pounds a month. <laughs> like, so you want me to firstly, I can't afford over two thousand pounds a month, and secondly, if I could afford it, you want me to live here with the kids behaving like this? I don't think so. Yeah. But hey. Well, that's the challenge, but uh, because we do have the exact same thing. So it's a new development. Mm. We're on the private block, and there's a separate block that is just social housing, but. Every single piece of drama seems to come from. It's on the public side, right? Yes, I, I that mean, corner. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be anti-poor or whatever because, listen, I come from a working-class family first before my father moved us up to the middle class. Okay, but the point is, there's a certain pride you have when you own the property. Did you get me? Yeah. There's a certain kind of pride you take in your environment, your immediate environment that you don't necessarily feel if you're getting the place for like. A hundred pounds a month, and someone else is paying eighteen hundred. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you, you just take it for granted. So that's my biggest problem. Obviously, not every single poor person or, or working class person is like that, because Lord knows we weren't. And I was raised on a Clapham Park housing estate before we moved. But it's it's I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. My sister will hear this and she'll blow a gasket because she's a proper socialist. No, but, but I think that's the point. There's a there's a different type of poverty. There's, there's the poverty of current circumstance and then there's the poverty of the mindset. Exactly. The latter is a more dangerous one. You know? Yes. Yeah. 
so people who, who were going through what they call generational poverty, their poverty is more on the mindset. So they're the kind who, even if they win the lottery and you give them one billion, literally in less than a year, all that money will be gone. Yeah. Because they, they've not been trained how to manage success. Yeah. And it, it's strange, but it brings me into Nigeria, the Nigerian Nollywood slash uh, Afrobeat scene. And I've just observed, I haven't done any uh, real research, but it seems to me that the successful stars amongst them seem to be the ones who, who went to, who came from middle class backgrounds and went to good schools. They seem to be able to know how to manage success and translate it to other things. And it seems the guys who came from abject poverty seem to be the ones who are facing, oh, but that's just my... I don't know that that's true. I mean, I think the most successful amongst them, in terms of coming from an upper class background, this is very upper class by Nigerian standards, even by uh, Western standards, is Davido. His father is a billionaire. And yes. yeah, he, he's working hard and making more money. That's cool. But then you have Whiskey on the other hand, who's from Surya Liria, right? Decidedly working class background. And he well, he's, his parents are middle class, aren't they? Well, I'm not certain. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. They could, they could very well be. They could very well I think be. Because, because you know what we call, what we think is middle class is actually upper class. So Davido is very upper class. That's Middle class are the kids that I went to uh, maybe go, uh, federal government colleges. That's true. You're right. You're right. And he went to decent school, so I suppose you can you can extrapolate yeah. certain things from that. But I mean, I think the Nigerian music industry is is just built right now, sort of like how Motown and all that was in the fifties, where all yeah. these kids were getting exploited by Barry Gordy and the lot of them because they knew no better, right? They just want to be famous, and they think yeah. with fame comes money, but that's not necessarily the case. A lot of famous people have no money. Right. But it, it's, well, getting, it's getting better. Very, very slowly, but it's getting better. I, I suppose that's the point. The ones who are able to uh, survive the exploitation are the ones who have rich uncles who are lawyers, doctors, who have general connections that can help them uh, make wise decisions. Or the ones who are just stuffed out enough to beat up the record company owner and, 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 and take all their shit. Yes. It's very much a dog eat dog world, okay? If if you're not if you're none the wiser, you will get taken advantage of. And you yes. have you'll have very little recourse because the they're sort of making it up as they go along, you know, because I don't think our lawmakers in their usual style have laws that really work for the kind of industry we have now. Do you get? So where everything is digitized and nobody really knows how much anybody makes, Spotify won't tell you, Apple Music won't tell you. So the laws aren't necessarily fit for purpose for what the music scene looks like today. So well, well, that's no, I agree, but I think that's part of the whole unitary system. Mm. It's it's making every sector of society poor because what you first of all need is up to date laws, and you need specialist judges. Yeah. But but you know the way things are done in Nigeria, the in England and America is the guys who go to Oxbridge or Harvard or Yale that tend to get into the judiciary in Nigeria is if your father was a minister yeah, yeah, just push yeah. your name through I mean so, specialist course like you know you might go to the fourth circuit for a massive concerning, com- concerning commerce you might get yeah. to do you get me but in, I mean really for the entertainment industry Lagos should be the hub of that right because well, that's where most of the things go down well I, I agree and because we use the New York example in America every state has their own supreme court so mm-hmm. Lagos could if where we had a true federal system, Lagos could design its own judiciary and say, look, we want to be the commercial hub of Africa. So mm-hmm. these are the rules we're rolling out for oil and gas, for entertainment, for everything. 
and our Supreme Court determined has a final say. So you guys in Abuja cannot mess up whatever it is we're planning here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's it too is. much. That's too much power to to give to one state. I mean, that basically puts Lagos in charge of all the money, really. Outside. Well, not necessarily, because if if power was really devolved, then you'd be surprised that other states to be competing, Ogun State, even rivers, Delta, every state will have its own advantage, like America. New York, as powerful as New York is, you have California doing their own thing, you have yes, Texas. Yes, yes, so, everybody will be pulled up. For this thing where we're literally pulling ourselves down to, to the lowest com- common denominator, it's making everybody... No, it's actually crazy. I mean, I read, sometimes at work I get a bit of time, you know, so I read cases. I mean, I, I read cases where the dispute is between two Russian oligarchs, for example, and they'll bring the case to London because they, yes. tr- they trust the British judiciary system over their own, right? Because our yes. judges, are, they tend to be incorruptible. Yes. So, it, I mean, that kind of stuff, you could have, we could very well have that. I mean, Nigeria built the legal system in Gabon, for example. Yes, uh, even uh, the Gambia used right. to second attorney generals there. Exactly. So, so it, oh. anyway. But so that's what, uh, I think, text the law wrote to me has written about that a few times where he said your legal system is actually an export on its own if you can design it in a way that people have faith in it other african countries can write in lagos law as the governing law of their contract yes but michael so here is the thing and i think i've said this on twitter a few times i have an llb and i've been thinking of like going to law school and just becoming a lawyer in night just just for the sake of it not because i actually want to practice but just to yes. you know see to the end essentially um and I was thinking, okay, I'll go to law school in Lagos University. And somebody said, uh, it doesn't work that way. You have to go to the Nigerian law school. And I'm like, yeah. why? And they said, no, because that that body owns the teaching of law in the country. Now, I think that's absurd. Because what you yeah. get is essentially a very a coterie of people who really essentially run the, the judiciary, right? So they're all taught to think the same. They all yeah. know each other. No new ideas penetrate. It's dangerous. It's totally dangerous. And I suppose it reflects how the country functions as a whole, right? Where you get a cabal in charge yes. of thoughts and functioning as gatekeepers and stopping people from really thinking afresh. You know, so no. it's, it's, it's quite problematic. Well, I, I agree. And you see it in every every sec- segment of society. This unitarism seems to be spreading. So like you rightly said, because what I did with the New York Bar, I did it in London. The... The exams are done in New York, but any anybody or any university or whatever can open up their own teaching uh, program for the exams. All you do is you turn up in New York and sit the exams. So I don't know why we can't have a situation where, for example, the Nigerian bar exam is outsourced. So there's one examining body, maybe even in Abuja, let's say the examining body is in Abuja, mm. will allow any agency in the world to do the teaching. Because there's lots of Nigerians in, in the UK and in America who would happily do the exams exactly. so that we can't and, be bothered. You know, the, 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 the institution will pay a certification fee so that they're allowed to offer the exams. So that way they'll yes. still be able to generate some small funds. And if you allow exactly. private schools to teach law, they will pay you to certify that they're allowed to teach law. As opposed yes. to a small body of people. And you know what's even funny? Zoning is now a thing in the NLS. It's like... Uh, for, for, for the body, for the, I don't know what they're called, the body of lawyers in Nigeria. They, the Nigerian Bar Association. Yeah, yeah. Zoning is a thing. And it's like, yo, poly, is, this, <laughs> is this a legal way of doing things or is, it, or is this a political way of doing things? So you can understand how everything looks like a political system. Do you see what I'm well, saying? Yeah, it's, it's much to our detriment. It's crazy. Wait, so it's a waste of... Uh... It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of talent. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Because 
okay, you think this guy's the best, but he's from Aquaibom, but it's not his turn. It's not their zone's yep. turn. So then he missed the prime years of his life while the thing is yep. going around and around, but everybody knows that he's the best. It's crazy. Yes, but, but that's why we've said we need to dis- dismantle, because unitism has made everybody want a seat at the table. Because when they in, don't a, in a weird way, it. as long as when you have unit, deserve it. That's the. I mean, we're gonna get onto that when they don't yeah. deserve it. Well, the thing is, because we have a unitary system that says everything goes to the center, and then we share the cake from the center, I can see the logic why every ethnic group wants to be at that table. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, as long as you have this arrangement, then in a strange way, it is logical that. Oh, yes. oh yes, I mean, if you're dull, you don't eat. That's just the yeah. way it goes. Yeah. Oh, yes. so, so, if we want to change this approach, then devolve everything so that then we can say, let real merit thrive. Then no ethnic is going to be angry with whoever is NBA president. If, if you're a like, let them hold the position. Do you, know, do you know what's funny? I think that waiting for this to take place in Abuja is a long, is a long process. I think some states have to sort of take the ball by the horn. You know, sort of like how Lagos started with the, the vice governor, deputy governor being a woman, and other states followed suit. I yeah. think it sort of has to be that way. But for, for these things, you need constitutional have... amendments. That's the problem. But each state has its own constitution, no? No, there's no state constitution. Are you serious? Yeah, there's one federal constitution. How did I not know that? Oh my god. <laughs> so that's what needs to happen. You need. So, so tell me, if each state doesn't have its own constitution, how 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 is Sharia enacted? Well, that's the problem. It's many lawyers have actually said Sharia is illegal. What the Nigerian Constitution recognizes is uh, Sharia for certain private you know, family sh- law sh- matters. Sh- Sharia functions as customary laws. Yes, yes. as a customary yeah, law yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. So what happens? These guys introduced it to criminal law, and even at the time, the Attorney General privately advised Obasanjo that this thing is illegal. But Obasanjo, after all the, you saw the riots that took place and the way, basically, that was how even Buhari built his political career because he was the lead champion for the Sharia movement. And Obasanjo saw that, look, with all the killings that were taking place, if we take this thing to court and the Supreme Court rules that Sharia is illegal, it will just trigger further uh, violence and riots. So he said, just better to just leave it. I mean, I'm, and, not, I'm not against Sharia, but it, it's best if it functions the way it's supposed to be. To be, which is in a in a in a civil in a civil sphere, as opposed as opposed to leaking into all areas of administration in the state, right? But well, anyway, we're Nigerians and we don't do things like this. But look, that that gives you that gives you the template because if Sharia has been allowed, nobody can then turn around and say to southern states who want to do something that maybe is not entirely constitutionally sound and say you're not allowed. Well, that's problem is, as I'm sure you work in compliance, the problem is if foreign investors want to do any dealings with Lagos State or any state, from the compliance point of view, they need to be sure that what Lagos State is doing is legal. legal. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. once they see that it doesn't comply with our constitution, nobody's going to put their money there. That's, that's, that's very, very true. But, you know, there, 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 there are conventions, okay? So if, say, for example, if eight southern states start doing something in a particular manner, it yeah. become nigh on impossible for Abuja to say no, because a politician of Obasanjo's ilk is gone. N- never again will a politician say, "Because you're doing this thing I don't agree with, I'm withdrawing, or I'm I'm withholding your funds because you're doing something like that." That situation can't arise again. All right? But that's what's happening now. They no, 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 they, 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 they tried it. 
they tried it for like they have. They, wait no they 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 released it again. They have tr- they been frozen it now? Yeah. Because when I checked yes, it was only Benway that was on it. frozen. No, they did it. Yeah, they did it in Benway, and I mean it's 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 a, a, absolutely abhorrent. They tried it, but they realized that we can't go down this path. Obasanjo did it for almost the entirety of his term, the second term, right? Yeah, yeah, that, he did it to to yeah, Lagos. Okay, local government fund. That's what I'm saying. That can't really happen again. So. Well, as far I, as I know, mm. Akwai Bond's funds are still frozen. It's oh, only maybe Benway it's Benway's, yeah, maybe it's Benway's that was that was released. But I mean, look, yeah. this is not going to obtain for a long time. By next week, that the fact that it arose in the first place is disgusting. But let's let's just get into the let's get into the meat of the matter. So, what I really want to discuss with you today are the machinations in the National Health House of Assembly, of yeah. con- you know, and then the IG statement to the acting of acting president. Yeah. The dismissal of the head of the DSS, uh, Dara, and any other business, 2019, and, and, oh, yes. and what we think about that. So let's start with the National House of Assembly. So leading in, we've got the defections of two very senior members. So Afadio has moved over to the APC, and Saraki has moved over to the PDP. Now, Michael, I have to say, don't explain this to our viewers from a partisan point of view, because you tend to be too partisan and you're driving well, mad. I, I stand for truth. I don't yeah, okay, do partisanship. I tell it as I see be, it. Be honest, but you know, <laughs> some people don't know how to what to make of all these machinations. So yeah. you're here to help them understand it. So please be neutral and tell them, you know, how it how it's no. you know how it happened. So go ahead, well, please. In, okay. in I can only tell, I can tell the truth as I see it. I don't know about your neutrality. P- with your okay. PDP coloration, but that's fine. Yeah. Go okay, ahead. I'll tell, tell tell the truth. I'll say the truth matter <laughs> is as, as I as I always said on social media, there's this saying that it's easy to give a knife to a madman, but it's hard to take the knife off him. And that's basically what is happening in the Nigerian political space. Many of the powerful Nigerians who decided to elect or who provided funding and resources for Buhari's election are now feeling the heat from a lot of his uh, misdeeds. So we start with Saraki first of all. Obviously, I, there's no conviction, but if they ask me, do I think Saraki is corrupt? Obviously, say yes. I think many of the Nigerian political figures are, well, have some element of corruption. I mean, we have the Societe General Bank uh, scandal, we've got a few other things he's doing in Quara. So, he goes without saying, if they ask me, I'll say, I think so. I believe he is corrupt. But the point is, when he got elected, Buhari didn't even give an indication of whether or not he wanted Saraki to be his president. Mm. But as soon as Saraki won, they started this strange war of attrition, trying to get him out. Led, led by uh, Yes, led by Polatinibu. And what that did, literally, was they spent three years, instead of just drawing a line and saying, okay, look, Saraki, you won. We didn't want it. Okay, this is our agenda. Let's, let's keep going. Buhari got distracted and seemed to focus his three years on trying to get Saraki out, instead of trying to push through an agenda. Because I don't think, I might be wrong, but I've seen no evidence of any sensible bill presented by the executive, any transformational bill, where they said, look, let's get this thing passed because it will really I mean, change. Given, given the urgency, or the urgency they presented to us at the time yes. that brought about his election, there was no urgency in the way they conducted themselves, vis-a-vis presenting bills, vis-a-vis their relationship with the National House of Assembly. So it was all quite a mess. Yes. So the, 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 the fallout seems to be escalating and escalating to the point where they try to impeach him and 
it didn't work. Their first attempt was using Senator Ovie Omoagege, who's a senator from Delta State. He came in with thugs to try to steal the mace, and then suddenly claimed the thugs had nothing to do with him. They just happened to be strolling in to the Senate at the same time. Strolling and, in like it's a market. Yes, literally, as if he made it seem like he was walking in and just happened to find himself surrounded by thugs all walking alongside him <laughs> to steal the mace. It says nothing to do with him. And then the next question is, how on earth did all those thugs get through Security. Uh, security? Nobody has explained. Well, I know a few accounts have said actually all those so-called thugs were actually officers who were not wearing their uniforms. So it was all planned. So that was the first attempt. Obviously, as Buhari always does, Buhari says, it's nothing to do with me. I wasn't aware. Everybody says they're not aware. Second attempt was uh, Saraki was about to leave his, leave his house and found it surrounded by police. Thankfully, Saraki was not in the convoy. Once again, police said they weren't aware that these were rogue policemen. Now, third attempt was what we saw last week, where uh, DSS officials wearing masks, like they were going to some sort of a, <laughs> a covert operation, surrounded the Senate, and actually took their guns into the main chamber. When they actually signed, everywhere saying, no firearms allowed in the main chamber. And the excuse somehow is that uh, it was Saraki that conspired with the head of the DSS to bring the, the, the troops in. You, you, so, know, you know what I think about Saraki and his devious and cunning ways, right? But uh, even yeah. if that were the truth, do you know saying it publicly undermines the presidency itself? But the thing is, it makes the, the lie itself makes no sense. It doesn't. It makes no sense. Because the PDP warned about this before Buhari traveled. The PDP actually issued a press statement saying Buhari's departure is an excuse for the Buhari government to use military tactics again to remove Saraki. And just as they described it is the way it happened. And this thing began as early as 6 a.m. So even if they said we weren't involved in it, why did it take them to lunchtime to do something about okay, it? Okay, so the only, the only thing that I don't understand in the events that took place last week, or was it earlier this week, is where were the APC senators? Well, they were meeting in a separate hotel because from piecing together from various sources and open open sources and secret sources, the plan was APC senators were supposed to meeting in one place mm-hmm. and then there was the PDP senators were not supposed to be able to get in and they were supposed to bring their people to the chamber to impeach Saraki. But what happened was because Saraki got wind of the plan almost 24 hours beforehand, mm-hmm. he and a few of his people were already inside the building. And then they raised the alarm for the others to come. So the plans were scuppered. I mean, this is this is like a terrible film. You know, the yeah. events of, of these um, past two weeks is like a terrible, terrible Nollywood film. It's embarrassing. And the thing is, this goes worldwide. It goes global, right? Well, but this is the point I've always been making when I say this is a Mr. Bean document. Between Daura and that dude in charge of the uh, police force, uh, Idris, they can't get anything right. So I'm actually surprised that they left the planning of this operation to them. Although they do now claim they weren't involved. But those two can't get anything right. They can't. It's yeah. like he's <laughs> You know, like, like it's, it's actually embarrassing. But the, the thing is, what I want to know is, I read the uh, acting president, Yemiro Shinagi, I read his uh, statement about the yes. events. And he's claiming, <laughs> and to be honest with you, sometimes I wonder who these people are and who they're surrounded by. On the one hand, you saying you don't know yes. makes your government look so weak. 
But then I suppose that's not a problem because the president himself admitted that he t- he asked the IG to go to uh, Benray. The fellow refused, and nothing happened. Okay, so yeah. he's he's claiming he had no knowledge. His government, including the president, had no knowledge that the DSS, the head of one of the one of the major law enforcement agencies in the country, the head of the Secret Service, was planning this event, took armed officers to the National Assembly in the view of the entire world, and you are saying you. As the president on seats at the time had no knowledge, and you felt okay to tell the whole world this. But, but, but that's the point I was making because for those who, those of us who went to uh, uh, got, got some sort of legal training, imagine this was a was a trial, and the vice president was on the uh, witness stand being cross examined. This this movement started very early in the morning. Some say six, or some people say it was earlier than that. And then it was televised, it was all over social media, and you were saying it was only at 12 noon that you suddenly decided that, oh, I wasn't aware, I'm going to sack this dude. Imagine. Because the more plausible explanation, which is what I've heard from many sources, is that. They were waiting they, for Bobari say so. No, no, no. They knew it was going to happen, mm. but the plan was it would be a lightning operation. Ah. And then it will happen, and then you'll say, well, Saraki, you can go to court and fight it out. And hopefully by the time Saraki goes to court to fight it out, 2019 elections have already taken place. So their, their hope was it will happen and then it will, they will just accept it as a fate complete. Okay, um, on the flip side, I I heard from, you know, he, he gave me my suggestion from time to time, but he's also yeah. partisan, so I don't know how true this is. But what I heard was that the acting president was aware and he wanted to act, but they were waiting on the say-so of the president which is to ask the, the fellows to stand down. Now, well, I don't I don't necessarily believe that because to be frank, to be frank, if the president knew, that means that there was something he wanted to happen and they were waiting yes. for the thing to happen and the thing hadn't yes. happened, that's why they didn't take action. That's why I looked at the story um, with a very raised eyebrow. Like, this story makes no sense. All right. Yes. So the events transpired in view of the entire world. Actually, yeah. president subsequently then fired the head of the DSS. What do you make of that? Well, somebody had to be the fall guy. That's that's what it, that, that was obvious to me. That I'm I'm to be honest, me I'm ninety nine percent certain that they all knew about this operation, but it attracted so much global concern. Both yeah, global concern. Many countries were concerned about, and it was televised. So it was one of those things where Buhari could not play the I didn't know game anymore. This was now global. So somebody had to take the fall. And they said, okay, you Dara, take the fall. That's all that, that to me, that's all that happened. Somebody had to somebody literally had to resign. Do you know so, what I think? I think I think this government doesn't care enough to, to, to be worried about what the world thinks because like like somebody said to me, Trump doesn't give a damn about what's going on in Nigeria. Trump is not Obama. He he really cares about how he's perceived vis a vis African affairs. Trump doesn't care. He doesn't yes, care. Look, Buhari can do whatever he wants and get away with it. So long as he goes to Trump and he makes the excuse of Boko Haram, you know, Trump literally does not give a damn. And America is the most, let me land, America's influence is quite strong in certain areas. Now, this is what I think. This is what I think. I think the decision to fire Mamadara, not Mamadara, Lawadara, was unilaterally made by the, by the acting president. That's what I think. That's what I think. And I think I might be wrong, so don't comment at me on Twitter saying such and such. I'm just positing my own conclusions from the event. I think the decision was made unilaterally by the vice president 
he was irritated. I think he left for the vice president. He probably would have sacked the IG as well. But, you know, I'm not trying to make Oshimbajo look good. Because, yeah. like I said, I believe that he was part of this whatever. But because it, it didn't succeed, somebody had to pay, like you said. And I, yeah. think, and I think the decision to fire Dara was unilateral. Because if Buhari was that concerned about what he was, uh, what his perception globally, he would have fired the IG when he didn't go to Benway. The killings in Benway made the headlines. Yeah. It was in the New York Times, it was on the BBC, it was on CNN. And nothing was done, right? Yes, well, that, well that, that's what I mean about the international pressure. In the sense that Buhari might not, yes, Buhari doesn't care about anything. But the VP, on the other hand, I think to an extent, he's worried about his own reputation. Yeah. So he's the kind of person that if the American ambassador calls him and says, look, because I know some of the senators and even stars, he contacted some of the uh, foreign ambassadors in Nigeria. And if those guys phone the VP and say, look, this is happening, you guys need to do something. The VP cares a bit about his reputation with the global community to know that, okay, I, I don't know how to lie like these other people. I need to at least do something. I can't just pretend not to not to do anything. So perhaps that was it. But I do know that the pressure got to them because I know they always say social media is meaningless, but it seems it's not. It's not. every time they've ever done taken any action is because the noise of social media got to the point where they had to do something. So I mean, Buhari can't unsack Dara now, right? He can't unsack him. I think. That yes. is that is what the fellow weighed up before he made the, the decision. The country has received the firing of this guy very well. Yes. The country is happy that somebody seems to be doing something. This bloody government, right? So Buhari can't return from his sojourn to the to the UK and and unsack this guy. He's well, he doesn't have to. He, he won't necessarily. He doesn't necessarily have to unsack him. But like with Babat Babatulawal, who still has access to Asorok and those various. Uh, behind-the-scenes roles for Buhari, he could do the same thing with the guy and just give the guy some other job. So don't be surprised if Dara is still strolling in out, out of Asorok when Buhari I comes back. I fully expect that. I yes. fully expect that. The only, the only thing working against Dara is that he's got internal beef with the EFCC. You know, that, that, is, that is a subplot that I don't quite understand because um, what's, the, what's the EFCC boss's name? I always forget. Magu. Magu. Magu yeah. seems to be Buhari's boy. Dara yeah. seems to be against Magu. Yeah. Dara is also Buhari's boy. Yeah. The only thing working against Dara right now is Magu enjoys this role as some sort of hero. So he will keep making statements to the press regarding Dara and Dara's uh, corruption and whatever have you, which will keep Buhari maybe a little bit distant from the guy, you know, because... Elections are coming up, and this image as a corruption fighter has to be burnished. And probably he won't want anything to tarnish that. And Dara's continued high-profile presence might present a problem for his re-election. That's the only thing I can see working against Dara currently, is his beef with, with the EFCC. Well, the thing is, everything happening now is nothing new, because this exactly was how Buhari governed in 1984. He's contrary to the to the popular perception that he's a strong man. Buhari is actually a very weak man. So he doesn't like taking difficult decisions. You can see that now. Yes. So he's the kind of person where, I'm not trying to be uh, misogynistic or whatever, but imagine this kind of person who might have, like, let's say, four wives fighting, and they all come to him for guidance on what to do, and he's the kind of person who would hide in the bedroom and say, look, you guys fight or leave me alone. So he's that kind of person that doesn't like to, to, to get involved. 
is yeah, really mean, difficult to right. overcome by paralysis. Prior to the elections, uh, Mr. AD, as Alex Daniel, Daniel was saying on Twitter, that it was Idi Amin that actually ran the government. Yeah. And Buhari was a figurehead, essentially. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but Buhari's behavior now has led some credence to that assertion, right? No, yes, but he's always been. People who knew him have always said he was weak and indecisive. He literally gets paralyzed by decision making. So it's a weird kind of paralysis. Like the reality that he has to has to voice an opinion on something. See, apart from the, the convictions he holds dear, nothing yeah. else seems to 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 bother to uh, bother him. Okay. So that that's. So so work with my theory for a moment. If it is the case that Oshimanyan made this decision unilaterally, as I suspect, as I suspect. What do you think that tells you about what's going on in Asarov? Because, look, honestly, I don't think things are rosy between the acting president and, and the president. I don't. And I but, think it stems from the fact that the president's relationship with Telugu has deteriorated. Well, we've, we've, every, everyone who I've spoken to close to the government has always said that Trump is not happy with many of the things Buhari is doing. And he's not even in the in, inner circle of the cabal, no, so-called cabal. So, I think he's a Yoruba guy. They go to their meeting, they speak Hausa, except when, when uh, what's his name is present, the ex Yoruba's uh, governor, Amechi is present, because Buhari apparently is very invested in the rail development, so that one, you know, uses that to, yeah. to, to, to keep his card at the table, so to speak, you know. Well, so, but but that's the only issue we've always had with the VP. That's why he's being called out on Twitter, because our point is, we know. We already know that you don't sign up to many of this stuff. Not just him. There's many people in this government who we know are popular on social media who don't sign up to this stuff. And what we are saying is, you guys are the ones who are coming online to defend things that you know you don't agree with. Yeah, but Michael, so, so here's, here's my problem with that. Sorry to yeah. Here's my problem with that. He's the VP. What do you want him to do? I'm not defending, he can resign. I'm not defending the guy. Oh, and throw the country into turmoil? Really? Why would the country go into turmoil? Because he resigns. Why would he resign, Michael? Why should you? You're a senior advocate of Nigeria. Michael. In fact, you, you were known as Mr. Rule of Law. And then you join a government that is disobeying court orders. Is that not enough to for you to resign? That's that's a direct stain you're, on your reputation. You're saying this as if Nigeria is one uh, homogenous society. He takes a decision based on his personal convictions and resigns. What does that mean? The Yoruba betrayers. That's what that means. Well, that is what that means. And I know you know this. That is what well, that means. You don't, how is it Yoruba betrayers? Because he's standing up for his convictions. He leaves, he leaves the government du jour because he thinks that the government is corrupt. And he, he writes a statement and he says, oh, the things going on in the government don't sit well with my conscience. They're against my professional convictions, etc. What is he then saying about the government? Is he going to resign and say he's sick? No, you tell the truth. Is that what? But the point is, Tola, you're forgetting that this is this this is the standard prop set. This is what he sold himself as. I'm not disagreeing with that. So, but so he, then, he, so then, why is, will you sell? You think so? I'll go into government. I'll say I'm Mr. Rule of Law. Then I'll be VP to a president who is dis- Michael, destroying my reputation. Michael, then I'll say I won't go. Michael, why? Our law took a decision in in nineteen was it nineteen sixty one? No, nineteen sixty or fifty nine, when it was agreed that Andrew would go three ways. Then he turned around and made another decision, right? That yeah. that didn't favor what he and Ujuku were already discussing. Till today, till today, they make out like Awolowo's decision was a Yoruba decision. Like he consulted every single Yoruba person. So whatever duplicity Awolowo displayed at that time 
was turned and still turned until today Yoruba duplicity. This fellow ran with this guy. This this Buhari guy who had run three times before and could not win votes below the Niger, right? The yeah. reason he could win was because of this largely Yoruba coalition in the south with his northern alliance, okay? Yeah. The the VP represents the the southern part of that coalition in the government. He's the highest, he's the biggest face of the southern part of the coalition in the government. He resigns and says, okay, the way this government is flowing doesn't sit well with me. How, Michael, please, don't be idealistic. We are Nigerians. Be realistic and tell me, but this, but this, this how not, what, is that going to be perceived? Well, okay, this, but this is the point I've been making. I said, okay, if we're going to discuss politics, then discuss politics on the basis of truth. So if the VP is saying that, look, I don't agree with what Buhari is doing, but I'm only staying here because I'm protecting the Yoruba interests. No, not the Yoruba interests. The countries, the peace in the country. Peace in the uh, bloody how is country. That? Would, would Buhari not find another VP? I don't Listen, understand. He, so, he will find another VP in a heartbeat. So, so what's the problem? Even so, people who hate Buhari would gladly step up. But it's, so so, so how, is, how is his resignation oh preserving God. peace so in the country? You, you're saying it like this because maybe because you're an idealist and, you know, no, I'm not an idealist. I'm a realist. The, the, you're the, you're the, telling me that the, the VP can't resign. Okay, yeah. okay. The fellow resigns. You're, you're saying, oh, it's going to be... So in all the mosques, in all the publications, in all the discussions on radio and TV, they're just going to say, oh, Shimbaje resigns from Buhari's government because he doesn't agree. It's not going to be wrapped up and, and, and talked about in the most bombastic, ethnocentric manner. Are you serious? Well, all I can say in response to this is, if the VP is saying is staying in the position to keep the peace or whatever uh, uh, interesting arguments you're concocting, then <laughs> then the VP needs, as, as they say uh, uh, colloquially, then the VP needs to be able to take this stuff on, on, on the chin. And what that means is when people are calling him out for misbehaving, his attack dogs need to stand he down. No, they need to take it. Yeah, he needs to be able to take it. And if he's saying he's, he's going against his conscience, then take it on the chin. But I instead... Yeah, so let's take it. That's my own view. Well, you, you can concoct whatever reason because uh, you can say I'm a Jehovah's Witness, that's why I'm in the mm-hmm. government or whatever. No, the, but, the attack dogs have a job to do. Their job is to defend, 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 defend. You already know that. That's what goes on. That's their job. That's what they do. It, it makes your own your own calling out that much more interesting because you know there's some automatons who will come and tell you the same thing again and again. That's fine. That's their job. You're doing your job as a citizen to call out what you think is wrong. They're doing they're doing their job as paid. To defend their paymasters. That's just the way it goes. No, but it's one thing to defend. It's another thing to counterattack. Because a lot of them actually accusing those people calling the VP out of being the ones who are looking out for ethnic interests. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of convoluted argument are people making? We're Nigerian. That's the way it goes. You know, when, when you don't have a solid argument, then you go to parochial shit. If you don't go to religion, you go to ethnicity, you go to gender, whatever. That when It's the way we do. It's, it's the way we do. Because that's what you're. Oh, sorry. Wait, yeah. Move, moving on, moving on from from Oshinbaje, who I continue to be disappointed in this decision to fire the DSS head, notwithstanding. Okay, so let's move on now. Where does this leave Sarafin vis-a-vis his? I'm saying vis-a-vis a lot today. I don't know why. Where does yeah. this leave Sarafin in relation to his uh, prospects in 2019? Because the fellow is meeting everyone up and down in the country. 
Where does this lead him? What are, what is your opinion on his plans going forward? We'll discuss Fabio, but let's first address Saraki because to me the fellow seems to want to run a parallel government. You know, but yeah, well, tell me tell me what you think. Well to to be fair to Saraki, this is not somebody who I'm a fan of. If you check my tweets, people know I'm not a fan of Saraki. But to, to be fair to him, what he's trying to do is is trying to build relationships across the country. These were things Buhari could have done. But he is doing them, and I think his aim is still to remain Senate president. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has his eye on the presidency, and I don't know if, if he'll do it in 2019. It's something I, 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 I don't sense. Think so. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's come, 2019 probably comes too soon for him. What do you yeah, think? Well, well, I know he's thinking about it, and he's consulting to see if it's a winnable uh, game. But the, the question is whether he'll he'll run. But he's just trying to consolidate his base. But he's he's dangling the 2019 uh, uh, proposition mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, because obviously he's interested. But secondly, as a negotiating tactic to say to the PDP that okay, look, if you guys will give me the presidency, at least me allow me stay, yeah. because I know there are other people within PDP who would who would like that Senate uh, uh, presidency. Who wouldn't like it to the to the most junior senator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the good thing because uh, PDP Nigerian politicians, in a way, remind me of Conservative Party MPs because every single Tory MP believes they can be prime minister, or they should be prime minister. Mm. It's the same thing with every single PDP politician; they all believe they should be president, should be Senate president. So there are many people who want that job. So I think it's his way of of guaranteeing his his uh, security. The, the good, the one thing I like about Saraki is he has that uh, self confidence. That, uh, he comes across very well. Like he's, yes. he's mean. Like the way he presents himself publicly, he comes across as knowledgeable, cool-tempered. You know, he comes. In, yeah. yeah, he comes across. Well, I, I'm, I must say that. Well, myself and Saraki went to the same university, so obviously they taught us well. Uh, oh, that, yes. Oh, I, yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what rubbish! <laughs> he's, a, he's a fellow primary al- 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 alumnus, so I'm not surprised that he comes across well. What, what rubbish! But, what? I know, I know a fellow that went to Queen Mary. He's a thug. So there you go. Oh, who, who is this thug that went to Queen Mary? I'm not telling you. <laughs> He's on Twitter. I'm not telling you. They should cancel the dude's degree. University produces gentlemen. Hey, this this fellow scored the highest grades when I was in college. Like he, he, the the the, the lecturer, our teacher in college, was intimidated by him. Oh, I see. Yeah, very brilliant fellow, thug. but he's a thug. <laughs> Oh, that's not good. No, it's not. Okay, so moving on. Afabio, yep. now, to be honest, on the face of it, or as they say in legal terms, prima facie, his move makes no sense. Okay, this yep. is a fellow from Akwaibom. If if elections were free and fair and APC got up to 200 votes in Akwaibom, I'd be very surprised. Okay, that's how solid Akwaibom is for PDP. So I, yep. apart from the little tips he's having with Udom, I really don't understand how this move serves him politically. I know there might be some machinations um, behind closed doors in terms of EFCC or whatever have you, but let's look at this on a, we can, we can still discuss that, but from a political angle, how does this serve him, this move to the, to the APC? Well, Akwabio is very popular in Akwai Bomb because okay. I think there's some, there's some context there. For those of us who grew up in Nigeria in the 80s, and 90s, many of the uh, house helps, let's call them house boy and house girls, yes. or domestic uh, aides, yeah. used to be from Akwai Bomb. 
So there's the popular jokes then, that your houseboy will probably be called Akpan, Edex, and all these uh, hygienists. Those were all uh, named from <laughs> that part of the country. Mm. And then, as a young person, I didn't realize that these people that were, were mocking, it's their oil wealth that is powering this lovely Victoria Island where we're all living. And people are making fun of them. Not all, all. Me, I'm from Lagos Island. You people. Yes. Okay, yeah. That, I, I wasn't mocking them. I'm just saying the general thing anyway. But So, Akpabi was the first governor who came there, put a lot of money into infrastructure, but beyond infrastructure, he was the first really self-confident governor of Akwaibom who actually took pride in the people of that state, helped them, as they say in Nigeria, carry shoulder, feel like, yes, we're, we, we have a stake in this Nigeria. Mm. So, on many levels, he, he is a, a mini version of maybe the Martin Luther King in the sense that he put them on the map. Yeah. So he's very popular. So he will, I, I don't know if he can deliver the state, but I know he will deliver enough votes for Buhari. And I think that's Buhari's strategy anyway, because at the end of the day, he's count, still counting on his core northern vote and the southwest. Wait, what's he, in he, it for, for Akwabio? Well, well, what is in it for Akwabio is obviously... The, from what I've heard, both publicly and privately, the EFCC has a lot on him. So they've been, they've been tormenting him. Even uh, I think Simon Kolawole mentioned it today in his article in this day that the EFCC has been on, on his case since 2015. So this is his way of negotiating some kind of leave me alone and I'll help you. So if, if the EFCC drops everything against him, he can help Buhari get his 25% uh, quota in the South South. Are you talking free and fair or? No, even if it's free and fair, Akwabio is pop- popular enough to be able to get Buhari some so good what, numbers. So how would he sell that to his people? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's an emotional decision. For some people, Akwabio is, is, is like a god because he's the first person that delivered solid governance for Akwaibom. Listen, if Akwabio I've, says, I've look, been to Akwaibom. Yeah? Yes. Let me describe what I think of the story. It's sort of like, uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't watch such frivolous programs. Okay. But yes, yes. You're, you're missing. You're really missing out. It's sort of like putting the, uh, who can I say, the Greyjoys. Put in the Greyjoys, who are like cool people. And like, sorry, not the Greyjoys. Put in the, in fact, forget Game of Thrones, in case some people don't watch it. Aquaibom is oversized in the sense that the city or the state is ready yes. to be more than it currently is. That makes any sense. I yeah. went there on Friday night, Michael, at about maybe eight. Those were sold on the road, and I was in Uyo, not not in some little backwater town. I was in Uyo, right? Yeah. The, the capital of this of the state. It was dead quiet, but the roads were lovely. They were clean. Yeah. You know, the people were friendly and open, but it was dead quiet. There was nothing going on. So it's like he he put the state in a situation where if when the people are ready. Yeah. The infrastructure will be there for them. In terms yeah. of like when the city really wakes up and wants to be a twenty-four hour kind of city, the infrastructure is ready. It's not like this the state is perfect, but from like a living standard point of view, like yeah. just an easy life point of view, the state looks good from that angle. Do you get what I mean? Like yeah. I liked it. I was driving around, I felt secure, I felt safe, there were no like potholes everywhere, it was clean, it was quiet. I liked it. Well yes, yeah, so he no, he did spend a lot of money on uh, good roads and infrastructure. So that's why he's, he's popular. And the thing with popular people is you have people who follow you. Even when your judgment may be suspect, they'll say, well, if Akwabio said it, 
and maybe there's some sense behind it. So I think it's popular enough to deliver some numbers. And then the other, so that on the one hand, you can get the EFCC of his back. And then from Buhari's own side, he can get the 25% votes. So, but then there's the other angle of, uh, from what I hear, the Minister for Budget and Planning, Udo Odoma, um, might be thinking of running for governor or Akwai Bob. Of course, Akwai is going to have his own candidate because he's really falling out with Udon currently. And from what I hear, because I watched this uh, TV show called uh, Journalist Hangout on TVC on YouTube, from what I hear, because Akwai of Anang, which is a small ethnic minority in the region, and yeah. uh, Udon, I think, is Ubibio ethnic, I'm not certain which. He's, Udom is currently counting on numerical strength to overcome whatever challenge Akabio throws across his path. So Akabio yeah. wants to play the card and also nominate somebody from a majority ethnic group in the state uh, yeah. to counterbalance whatever Udom also presents. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Udom stepped up on, a P, on, a, on an APC ticket because I'm, I'm certain that Akabio, even though it appears that he has not learned his lesson, <laughs> with this godson rubbish, still yeah. wants to present his own candidate for. No, Udo Doma is uh, was a senator even before Akbabio became a governor. So, because I, I remember the one thing I remember during this, the ministerial hearings was when Udo Doma came forward for his own screening. Akbabio got up and called him uh, my older brother, and the level of deference that Akbabio yeah. showed him, yeah. you could tell that this is a man who greatly respects Udoma because Udoma is the same. In Nigerian terms, a big boy mm. in, in, compared to Akwabio. So, I don't but think Akwabio is probably a bigger boy now, though. Well, in Nigerian maybe, parlance, if you know what I mean. Yes, so yes, Akwabio is now a big fish. But mm. I think the one, anyway, Nigerian politicians don't learn lessons. But if I was going to say the one lesson Akwabio should learn by now is Akwaibom is not that type of state. There's, there's never been a governor who hasn't fallen out with his. Uh, Successor. In fact, I think the only state where a governor has not fallen out with his predecessor is Kwara. And, yes, and, Kwara. And, well, and currently Lagos, because yeah. Kashala did fall out with Tinubu, but currently Lagos and Kwara. Oh, yes, but even before Saraki, the former governor there fell out with Saraki's father. So that's why Saraki's father brought him in. Mm. So, but Lagos seems to have, the, the godfather seems to dominate. But in every other state, it seems there always seems to be a falling out. So I would have assumed that by now, Akwabio should know that, look, once you leave the office, that's forget it. this thing really it's controlling. That's it. They, so, should, so they that's... should all learn that because, look, you can't. I mean, I suppose it started with the template that Obasanjo laid down, attempting to control the presidency from Otter. Yeah. Once you leave office and all the trappings of office, yeah. the only thing you're left with is whatever you managed to pilfer whilst you were governor and whatever current post you occupy. Give the current occupants of the seat. The yeah. necessary respect and mind your business. Exactly. But they won't do that. They keep wanting to in- interfere. And to be, the funny thing is, to be fair to Governor Udom, I don't really see what he did wrong. Because, for example, that hotel that he built, that Fabio built in, is, I think, Ikotekwene, that he was hoping that the governor should complete. I, too, would not have completed that. Because I don't know why. Why is a government building a hotel? Mm-hmm. In, well, you know why. Yeah, that was, because that's that's it. That's it. That's it. His locality. <laughs> yeah, you know why the government built the hotel. You know very well why. I know you're too much of a gentleman to say it, but you know why. Yeah, yeah. He, and he built it in his local 
in his his own locality. I mean, like probably where, where there isn't much activity, commercial yes. activity to justify such yeah. an expense. You know, yeah, that's, um, that's that's what they do. And my view is, if if there was commercial activity, a private person would have built that hotel. Exactly. So I don't see why Udom, when obviously oil prices are down, why Udom should prioritize that as opposed to other things that need to be done. But obviously, yeah, Fabio will see that way. No, you see so, this in front, of course. Yes, so I'm, 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 I'm with Udom on that. I just think, obviously, yeah, Fabio has his reasons. If I were personally advising him, I'd have said, look, there's a, there's a level of stature you get to in politics where you don't allow them bully you and you think seriously about your, your legacy. And Fabio stood with Jonathan during that election. And I dare say that if Fabio had stayed in PDP, he's obviously a future contender for other president I, or vice I mean, president. I, I really think this affection is a minus in his poll. I really, yes. really think so. I don't see how, because Buhari is not the kind of person you stake your future on. Yes. I mean, now I know. You know, I can see, everybody can see, because this fellow, he does his own thing that benefits him and him alone. And even, yes. even with that said, you don't even see the logic behind a lot of the things that he does. So how then are we sure? I mean, I think he's also angling for the Senate presidency, to be fair. But if it goes to Fabio, the people who have been in APC will be vet. Yes, you have the Lawal and Co. who oh, are also oh. angling for it. Oh, oh, there will be vet. So I don't, I don't really see how this works out, and I think the APC is fomenting further trouble for itself if Buhari wins the presidency. It's like they just don't learn. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. But it makes for interesting discussions like this, I suppose. So, yeah. um. After that, now Fabio is affected. Now we now come back to the IG. Now, fellow Nigerians, I wonder if you've had the pleasure, or should I say, displeasure, of reading the statement issued by the IG on the events that transpired in the National Assembly. Now, let me tell you, Michael, when I read this, do you know what I felt? Yeah. I felt a tremendous anger. <laughs> do you know what I felt a tremendous anger? I don't know. I don't know. You're not. You're not on Twitter as actively as I am, guys. But I rail against uh, federal hierarchy so much yeah. because I think the people that are supposed to benefit are ultimately going to be the losers in the end because all, all money is not going to last forever. We will have industry, and if you can't read and write, they're not going to hire you. Federal character is not going to come into play then, right? But that's yeah. to the side. I wonder in what kind of country a fellow like this who clearly doesn't understand the rudiments of investigations, not to speak of the complexities of them, yeah? Managed yeah. to get to a post where he's the IG of the entire country. The fellow can't construct a simple sentence. Well, I think the first thing to remember is he was commissioner of police in Kano when those uh, 1.9 million votes uh, appeared and where the INEC of uh, chair of the state REC also got mysteriously killed in a fire. Yeah. Yes. So, many in many respects, many people see it as a reward uh, for his his work in quotations in Kano State. <laughs> exactly. But I think I think the fundamental point is, in a way, that's one of the reasons why I'm not so hard on Buhari or Jonathan when it comes to things like Boko Haram, because like I try to explain to people, even under Jonathan and now under Buhari, the Nigerian security forces are facing a systemic problem, which is federal character and this whole quota system is causing them to not recruit the, the best talent for the various roles in security services. 
So in the Western world, the types of people who go into those jobs are people who are genuinely curious, or who are genuinely interested in those things. But here, it's, mo- it's many more cases. Of- yes, I finished work, I don't have anything to do, yeah, so my officer says, okay, what I do, police enter. <laughs> enter the police no, force. No, I mean, I mean, I think it's worth really exploring this idea that federal hackers undermining us in every way, shape, and form, and especially in a security sense. Because we yeah. have an instance where you need a level of intelligence to do some of the things that need to be done, okay? Yes. So here, I mean, I know people go to West Point. After West yeah. Point, they, they may go to Harvard, they may go to Yale, Stanford, MIT, because they are really the best of the best. Yeah. I know here if you go to, what is the, is it, what is the academy here called? San, Sanford? Well, Sanders. Sanders. Yeah, Sanders. You yeah. are the best of the very best if you pass through that academy, right? Yeah. Obviously, if your family has a history, then you're trained in their ways before you apply and that helps you. But the yeah. point is, if you can't pass the basic requirements, you're not going to get in. Yeah. Now, you have a situation whereby a country as diverse as Nigeria, a country as, 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 a country as diverse, yeah? Yeah. There are people everywhere who are smart all over the country. Yeah. But the, the problem is the investment at the basic level. So at the primary school level, the necessary investment is not put in there, all right? Yeah. So you still have a situation where somebody that scores a two in Zamfara, for example, is pushed forward to the next stage when you have not prepared them for the basic level. So I yeah. get a two in primary school and push forward even though I fail my common interest because of federal character. I finish secondary school, I can barely read and write, but I push forward to uni because of federal character. I finish school, I say, oh, I need a job. A senator sponsors me to go get a job with the army, get a job with the, with the police, get a job with the DSS. What am I going to bring to the table? I have not been prepared at all. It's, well, not, it's not my fault. It's the system that has failed me. But wait, let me finish. The, yeah. the reason this persists, Michael, is because we are all still feeding from the Niger Delta. Yeah. That is the reason this persists. This fellow has no business being the IG because if you read the statement, well, there, was I, nothing, I, there, was not, there was no revelation in there. Everything he repeated was what we read in the press already. But he wrote it in such a manner that if a primary six child brought that to you, you tell him, come on, my friend, go on, will you go and rewrite this? Well, the, the two things that struck me about the whole thing is, from the first point, many of us said it, from the day he was appointed as IG of police, I remember the first thing he did, which was to go into the newspapers and claim that his official cars had been stolen by his predecessor. Yeah. And his predecessor said, what kind of terrible lie is this? And it was his own age that told him, no, 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 we sent the cars to the mechanic. And then they asked him, they said, so how did you even conclude that your cars had been stolen? He said he looked out of the, of the official window and the cars went there. Wait, wait, he looked out of the official There's an official window. <laughs> oh, I mean, he looked out of his office window. And the cars went so there. So no investigation, just I yes. And... So even then, because for me, you know, there's a saying that when you see the way the morning looks, you can tell how the whole day is going to be. Mm. For, for many of Buhari's appointees, you could tell right from the beginning that from the first things they did, you could tell that look, this dude is going to be useless in office. Michael, so it's not just him; it's the um, attorney general as well. Now, yes. I want to say to the listeners, don't think that this is an ethnocentric tinged diatribe. Believe me, it's not. If there were Yoruba, I would say the same thing. What concerns me is that the best people are put into place because we yes. all suffer for it. We all 
Look, 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 at the, look at the look at the look at the attorney general and the nonsense he talks all the time. Well, well, that, that's the, the that's part of the problem. At the at the screening, even when they asked him questions, it was clear that this dude did not know his left from his right. How did he become so, a son? That's a question that the NBA has to answer themselves because, you know, in England the, the QC or KC positions are opened up in a way. The scrutiny is done in a way that the outside uh, people too who look at the CVs and make sure that there's no jobs for the boys type process. There's so a lot going Nigerian, back to what we said earlier with the NBA. There's a lot. Yes. So with the NBA, I, I think they've introduced some funny type of federal crackery quota approach which seems to be messing up the whole thing but for, for both sides, both North and South. Because there are many Southern sands of to course, our Of course, who are useless. And I mean, I watch them on TV coming to defend the government or oppose the government. And the arguments yeah. they present, a first-year law student wouldn't present. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's... Uh, and so many of them, under the normal code of ethics, many of them should actually be disbarred for some of the things they said on TV. So it's... it's, it's, it's it's just the way that the system is. But well, under the second issue with the IG, is the thing that struck me about his letter, is he seems to be pushing the narrative as well that somehow Saraki was involved of in course. the decision. Of course. And that look, you can see that what they're trying to do, which at the end of the day they'll get Lawal Dara to testify that I was the one that <laughs> conspired with him to arrange this invasion. So. Because Dara knows that at the end of the day nothing will really happen to him. If he says yes. if he says what they need him to say and accuses who they need him to accuse, he'll be fine. Yes, so they wanted to to blame it all on on uh, Saraki, which is a very unintelligent way to to even take the guy out. They first started off with the armed robbery in Opa. That seems to be going nowhere. So it's now Saraki conspired with the is head it, of the DSS. Is it not the same IG that that uh, got his got his man inquired to present a sticker as evidence of Saraki's involvement? <laughs> <laughs> These dudes are, are characters. And it's embarrassing, Michael. It's, I, I feel so ashamed sometimes. But, but if you remember, even the DG of the DSS, if you remember, he was sacked from the, from the DSS because he didn't pass his promotional Whoa. examinations. And, he and, and when he first came in, the first person he harassed was former DG of DSS, Colonel Kaude Are, retired. If you remember, I don't know if you remember this scandal where he invaded the guy's house and evicted the guy from his official... Uh, Residence. What was his beef with that one? Because that was a dude that disciplined. That dude once disciplined him when he was DG of DSS. Oh, I see. So Kaudi Are said it then, because Kaudi Are worked was Obasan just DG DSS and was deputy NSA under Jonathan for a while. And he was saying, "Why is Dara behaving like this? Just because I did my job and disciplined him when I was a DSS DG." So the dude was it was pursuing vendettas all <laughs> all across the place. So for me, the real question is. The IG and DGDSS are devoting so much energy into fighting Saraki and pursuing personal vendettas. My main worry then is who is trying to ta tackle this Boko Haram and Herzman crisis? You see, Michael, eh? Nigerian politics is, is, like a, is like this noxious thing that, that spreads everywhere into everything. But people have a clear job description, but they push that to the side and start playing politics. So they basically arrive at the answer that the politicians um, want to hear, and they make the facts yeah. fit. If they if they were if they were smart, they would make the facts fit the answer they've already arrived at. But these ones are idiots. So the stories yeah. that they present have so many holes. It's easy to dismiss and laugh at them, ab initio. 
that's why this is Mr. Bean government. They literally cannot do anything right. Even the bad things they try to do, they, they still mess it up. So my, my main concern is, is just the I tragedy that Nigerians are having to suffer and I pay read, the price. I, I read an article today about ISIS in, uh, in uh, Iraq and how the Iraqis created an intelligence force to penetrate ISIS you know, and, and active, obviously, an ISIS member and actually drive explosives on behalf of ISIS. They will, they will phone ahead to the army so that those ones will now jam the receptors for the, the receivers for the, you know, the explosives are remotely yeah. controlled. So they will jam the receivers for the explosives and force the driver, the, the passenger who is not a secret service guy, force him out of the car and, and eliminate the guy, yeah? In yeah. order to get into the service, you have to display yeah. extraordinary courage, intelligence, and you have to be very quick on the uptake. So the, the, the particular soldier the story was about was a Shia. So he had yeah. to learn like the customs and practices of Sunnis because ISIS is a Sunni thing to infiltrate yeah. ISIS. And I was reading, I was thinking, hold on. When is Nigeria going to get here? Because these are Iraqis fighting to take their own country back from their fellow countrymen, okay? Well, have we, we, we ever, have the talent. We, we read about uh, um, Chinda, the guy who... who crashed his helicopter into a, into a Boko Haram formation and the government denied him. Or the military yeah. denied him, shall I say, because the government will say what the military said because the government is not there in, in the theater of war. Okay, The military yeah. denied him. These other soldiers killed recently, the military denied them. So I'm thinking, if I were a soldier who was, who was this way inclined, why would I risk and give my life for my country when they won't even acknowledge my service? Well, the, I think there's, there's two separate issues. The government recognizes their service in the sense that they pay their families all the entitlements. Oh, they follow pay them, Michael. They follow and pay them. That's, that, no, the, that to you is recognition. No, the, the main worry is the military has a pride issue. It's a culture issue where they, they don't even want to admit that they've lost anything to Boko Haram. So they'd rather deny than admit that we've lost people. But they look after them. I think the bigger issue, like you've rightly pointed out, is we need a system where competence is the watchword in the in, the, in our security services and we can achieve that because i know people don't agree but that's one of the things jonathan and samu daski were taking seriously they, they were trying to recruit talented people in the civil service they even brought that lady who was a phd in psychology she was working in dasuki's office looking at the psychological approaches to tackling uh, uh mean to de-radicalize boko haram uh, convicts I mean, Boko Haram captives. But what, what happened was, when Buhari came in, obviously, fired the woman, dismantled everything uh, Dasuki did, and then fired people from the D people who were in the training school from the DSS, who they had invested money and time in, bring, in trying to equip. He fired all of them. Yes, then Dara came in and brought his own people. And now the problem is, this is going to be a 20-year 35-year problem, because that's the average career for a civil service person. Of course! So, so if you recruit an incompetent person now, future so, presidents down the line are going to be battling problems that they didn't even create. See, Michael, this is this is why Nigeria really upsets me and makes me want to cry sometimes out of pure frustration. I mean, you go everywhere in the world. I, I, I might have told you the story before. On the day that I was hired at my workplace, I mean, yeah. these are ABP, VP positions, okay? And for Deutsche, you're a VP for like three, four years. So you're really middle management. It's just a fancy title, but you, you get what I'm saying. You're not that yeah. senior. But middle yeah. management positions, okay? On the day that I was hired, there were 10 of us. Six were yeah. Nigerian. Of those six, five were from Nigeria, as in spent time in Nigeria and moved to the UK, and one was 
was born here. Yeah. You go everywhere in the world, people who are rising and making waves in industry, you find Nigerians there everywhere. Yeah. Because in a system where merit is the order of the day and we're given a fair chance, we will excel. But you're at home. No matter where you're from, from the north, from the south, because I refuse to believe that such is northern culture that they also don't want to excel. That's a lie. That's no, a it's, lie. It's not, there's, it's, there's talent everywhere, it's like you rightly said. It's, it's the system. It's the, it's system the leadership. To defeat Boko Haram, obviously you need people who know the terrain, who know the culture, who know the people. And those will likely be northerners. So even if you have a situation where the BSS is hiring a cadre of mostly northern officers based on merit, no reasonable person can complain because you know that you need these people to arrest this problem. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? No, but what we are saying is, even if you're going to use federal, even if you're going to keep the quota system, then have a rigorous process and say, okay, look, we need 50 people from Katsina but this cut-off mark applies to everybody, exactly. and you must pass it. But what's happening is that is, is connected people across the country, not just across, people across, across the country. Yeah. This is only this is only more stark because of the IG yeah. and, and his bloody rubbish. Yes, but across the country, what they are doing is, you saw with the FIRS recruiters or the CBN, is one chief, one emir write letters and give names of fifty people, whether or not they're intelligent, nobody cares. Nobody. Just put them in there. So I mean, I would not be surprised to find that Tunde Fala brought a bunch of people from Lagos because he knows. Of course. That, you know. No, at, at the at the moment, the the saying is, is it's now the Lagos boys. It's the way it has always been. When somebody from uh, I don't know, Edo State is president, Edo people tend to go to Abuja more, and they have connects and various contracts and stuff like that. So now it's the Lagos boys. No, so that, it's just that, the way it that is. That one I don't even mind. What I mind is at the at the core face where the action is going on. We need people who know what the hell they're doing. Nobody will want a doctor to work on them who only got the job because they knew a king, he knew a king. Nobody would want that. So why do you yeah. think it's okay for our security services? This IG is a disgrace. Well, in other sense, because it doesn't apply to them. When they're sick, they all go to London. I mean, oh, look at uh, look at Biosa Governor, for example. They were doing propaganda a few days ago saying a passenger came to a hospital for World checkup. Class hospital. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, a few days later, they announced that his own mother had died of cancer. But where did she die? In America. She was in an American hospital. But they had the world class hospital now. Well, so that's that's what I mean. So all these gov- all these people are doing propaganda. They have an escape route. If there was a way that said, look, if you're a Nigerian politician, you all need to stay here. And if there was no way out, then they will have to fix up. I mean, I remember the example of Tony Blair. This kid went to a public school. A, a, a government school, rather. What's the name of the school again? Because my cousin uh, went there. My social cousin went there. Um, yes, it's a Catholic. Uh, right, but it's a government school, as in it's open to everybody. It's it's not it's not a, it's not a public school. It's not a pay to attend school. Yes, no, but uh, I don't. I have a colleague that actually went there. The the only difference, I think, it's called the Priory. No, is it the Priory? No, it's not or, the Priory. It's, it's got like uh, a scientific kind of name. Yeah, I know. I know that I can actually see the name. Just like yeah. I've lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The di- the di- it's, 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 a, it's a state school, but it's very exclusive. It's an exclusive state school. So, in fact, many people actually said Tony Blair cheated when he, when he said he was sending his child well, to private school. Well, he skipped past the entrance exam. Yes. yes so, it's, it's, what's, what's the issue? My, my, god, my goddaughter recently passed the entrance exam to one of Kent's most exclusive state schools, but she passed. Yeah, yeah. The point is she passed. Nobody no, took the, the exam for her. She passed it. No, but I, I, I suppose the... 
general point then with Nigerian politicians is we ought not to deceive ourselves when we're voting for them so we know what we're expecting. If you if you step back and look at Buhari, there was nothing about Buhari that showed someone who had any kind of passion for education. So to expect that this man would get into office and do any kind of technology uh, miracles. Michael, you and I discuss this almost every single time we get together. And as somebody who supported Buhari, I keep telling you that I can only tell you how I felt. I can't speak for other people. In the primaries, yeah. I supported. I was supporting Atiku because I thought he presented the best opportunity to move the country forward, to build on some of the yeah. successes and correct some of the mistakes. Yeah, that's how I felt. But Buhari won. Okay, fine. The coalition with Buhari had some people that I that I was comfortable with in terms of their competence. Okay, I thought all right, they would at least be in place to do the things that needed to be done whilst this fellow concentrated on his pet project of anti-corruption or whatever have you. But even then, it became quickly apparent when some people that I know personally, in, in, in conjunction with some American consultants, drew up a map of what was to be done within the first 100 days to tackle the most serious issues, just to arrest some of the, you know, some of the things that were going awry. The fellow took yeah. a document, and this is facts, it can be confirmed publicly, took a document, um, thumbed through it, and flung it. But, but that's the point, because it's not necessarily about Buhari. I suppose what I'm saying is, going forward, we can't expect miracles from politicians unless we, unless they've, they've, their life has shown evidence of interest in those types of things. So, like, even, let's say, you use King Stimogolu, for example. He's not necessarily an expert in education or any sector, but... He seems like the kind of person that you sit down with him, you can engage him. He's the kind of person that you think, okay, if a consultant came to talk about education, he would, they would have an engaging and interesting conversation. And tangible things, practical yes. ideas will result from that conversation. Yes. But, but Buhari does not look like anything interesting apart from just being in power and frowning. Do you know so, what, I, what I realize is that I think the Buhari cabal, headed by Buhari himself, includes the role of Shindaji. This government is in place... Because had Jonathan served the second term, the hegemony would have been broken. The hegemony yes. of a particular kind of politician from a particular region or from a particular background, a militaristic or aristocratic background, okay, a northern yeah. aristocratic background, would have been broken. Okay? Yeah. So this government essentially is in place to preserve that status quo. That is well, the, that is my conclusion. Well, that's the point I made. That's one of the points I made to people in 2015. That. This was also a, this was the kind of battle that a Jonathan victory would have broken. But obviously, we are here where we are today. I mean, I think, I think yeah. Jonathan himself didn't realize this. To be fair. Well, I think he, he did. I, no, but, I, I think I think he didn't realize this because if he did, he would have governed differently. Well, I don't know what else he could have done. That he the man actually tried. Even Buhari is admitting now that okay, Jonathan tried. I mean, <laughs> Michael, no one is saying he didn't try because to not yeah. try will mean to not turn up for work at all or to not appoint some of the good people that he appointed. But in terms of yeah. relating with the public, relating no, with jo the jo Jonathan could public. not, Jonathan did not, was not charismatic. So he could never do the, the even when he, because if you remember, many of those uh, memes we got under Jonathan of him holding his chin and frowning his face was when he was going to visit victims of various And he visited. I mean, she yeah. laughing then. Yes, <laughs> he used to laugh at him. But at least he visited. <laughs> but he was actually going. The problem was, 
he didn't know how to to do it. But Buhari won't go. But Prof, on the other hand, the VP, knows how to do that kind of Son thing. Son's a pastor. That's, you know, it's what yeah. comes, with, comes with the territory. Look, part of my biggest frustration with Jonathan, you know, is that, to me, he was the first real Nigerian president. That is, he came from a humble background. He knows. So when people are talking about poverty, he's familiar with it. He knows it. It's not something someone is telling him. He knows it. He knows that he knew, at least what I thought of him, is that he knew the pains of your average Nigerian, right? But yeah. to communicate that to them, and there were certain things that he did. Firstly, being mis- allowing himself to be misled by the military on Boko Haram and politicians. One, two, when the thing happened with with the national recruitment, uh, national immigration service recruitment, that that to yeah. me was a massive minus, Michael, because these yeah. these are the things that shows the people, these are the things that show the people rather that you feel their pulse. Well, for me, obviously. Every government will make mistakes. For me, the things that touch me about him, I read two interviews. There was one he gave with uh, uh, Professor Aluko, who used to be one of the uh, social media, yeah, before social media, there was this website. Yes. Is it Gamji? Yes, he used to write for Gamji and all that. Yeah. He made the dude vice chancellor of Federal University of Otoke. Yeah. In fact, there was an argument between Fayemi and Jonathan because Fayemi wanted him to be vice chancellor of the new university in Ekiti where he's from, and Jonathan said, no, no, the guy should go to Otoke. There was no real argument, like a jokey argument, like, no, we want this guy. But reading the guy's interview, you could see that, okay, the guy is not articulate like prof, but this is somebody who genuinely took an interest in education, because that's the one area where he was always fully fire me to, to check that, okay, where should we locate this university in Ekiti? What should we do? What are the requirements? The people who spoke to him on education knew that this guy actually is interested. And Aluko will say, every time Jonathan went to Bayosa for like weekend trips, he will call him and ask him questions about the school and all that. You can say, okay, this is somebody whose interest is in this education. And I remember even an interview after he left office, he was speaking in, I think, Ekiti. And Jonathan spoke for maybe 10 minutes about his Presid scholarship and how he was upset that Buhari cancelled that thing. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying, right? He cancelled yeah. it because there were no northern n- northern winners. There were not there were not enough northern winners. And because it was based on merit. Yes, and Jonathan, when Jonathan talked about the scheme, he actually made me like this guy. I said, okay, yes, this guy has made mistakes in government, but this is somebody who whose heart, as I say, was in the right place. You, you see, guy... you see, Michael, budgeting yeah. is heart shoulders, heart work. In fact, for yes. a country like Nigeria, I would say the showbiz aspect is even more important than the work because. If, well, you yes. can, if you can do the show this aspect of it right, people will give you the benefit of the doubt for as well, long as you need it. I agree. That's the one thing Jonathan could not do. And I've always told people in his team, I said, you guys' main mistake was you guys should have brought in people who knew how to communicate what the government was doing. Because the government did lots of stuff. I mean, look at Mobala Johnson in, in tech. I mean, look now, at Aki Adesino in agriculture. Do you, know, do you know sometimes they say the grass is greener, but you have to get to the other side to find out the grass is actually not greener. In all the areas that Jonathan was deep, for me personally, my, my main grasses with Jonathan is when the Independence Day bombing happened, he went on television and said it was not meant and it was meant. I thought that was not presidential of him. When the National Immigration um, Service recruitment thing happened and scores of young people were killed, he did not fire the people responsible. That was not that that was abominable to me. Then the Boko Haram thing, allowing it to spiral out of control when he could have taken some action. He took action close to the election, which I thought was good, but it, 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 well, 
it came across as an election gimmick, okay? But now, looking back, you can see that the fellow had an interest in, in cross-country uh, transportation. They were doing rail. The tech industry, he recognized it for what it was, so he appointed proper people there, and he gave them the leeway to do things. So when you juxtapose some of his actions with Buhari's inaction, you say, okay, maybe this guy wasn't so bad. Because everything we laughed at him for doing, I mean, going to going to visit bombing victims and, and making faces, we thought he was funny then. But, yeah. at least he, but, at, but at least he went, okay? For the one time he was dancing in, 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 in Kano, as they say, okay, he went to a political rally, but how many rallies has Buhari attended whilst people are being blown apart and killed? Yeah. So and I, I think, I to be fair, even that rally that Jonathan went to, he visited the scene first before going to the rally. It wasn't like he didn't go to, he actually went to the scene first. But then it goes, back to the rally. To your, it goes back to your point about communication. That, that, yeah. that has stuck. That narrative that he went to dance has stuck. Because well, they did not dispel the idea that he did not visit the victims. Well, that's because yeah, he had a terrible team. But on that Boko Haram point, that's what we said at the start of this conversation. It wasn't the case of he didn't tackle the thing well. That's why, in many respects, I feel sorry for Buhari as well. I, I spoke to a friend, who, an acquaintance, who did his PhD at SOAS. But his PhD thesis was on Boko Haram. And this dude will tell you that, look, the military that Jonathan inherited was so badly organized and equipped that he, that's why Buhari too is struggling it's not a case of that they're, they're not trying if Buhari too could he would press a button and erase Boko Haram and herdsmen off the off the map the real problem is these people are dealing with such this this issue this competence issue is so poor in the security services Michael, that, since Buhari this is not me catering for Buhari but since Buhari has been president there has not been a bombing in Abuja well even on that Jonathan the bombing stopped it wasn't like he was carrying on. He, he first of all started, and then they, he, they, Azazi tried to put in, put in place various things, trying to push them back. Dude, but what I'm saying is... There was a in Lagos under Jonathan. Well, yes. But the, the thing is, it's just, the point I'm making to you Bombing is, in Kaduna, bombing in Kano, bombing... In, look, I'm not blaming him personally as in his, his failing as a man. Yeah. But his failings lie in the fact that these things were happening and there was a detachment from Asawa. The same detachment we're seeing now. Okay? No, there was, there was no detachment. There they were working was, hard. There was, there was, you, there you're forgetting was, that they brought, in, they brought in Israeli specialists. Jonathan invested money in military equipment. In fact, apart from this uh, Tucano, super Tucanos that Boris tried to buy from America, he's not really spent money on arms. A lot of the arms they're using are stuff Jonathan brought in. But this t these things take a while. It's not a case of, I say, let's fix security today and then tomorrow bombing stopped. No. Our military was not prepared at all for terrorism. Okay. Their only specialism was harassing political opponents. I mean, I, so think, when, I think the point I'm generally trying to make is it took Buhari to realize that Jonathan was not all that bad. Well, yes, he wasn't, he wasn't, even but that's the, I, well, it, for me, it didn't take Buhari, I, I didn't take Buhari to come. I looked at his antecedents and I could tell. No, it took that, Buhari for me because I was desperate. When the bombings were happening every week almost, I was desperate that can this country survive this onslaught? I was desperate. And it felt to me like Asawak was doing nothing. And then Chibok happened. Bunuyadi happened. NIS happened. And it's like, yo, do we even have a government? And it struck me as people were doing whatever they wanted. This is how I felt at the time. If I juxtapose everything that I felt then and feeling at times too now, minus the fact that I am not so worried about the security aspect, even though I know that Boko Haram is still doing much of the same things it did before, except it's doing it further up north and the press is not reporting it the way they were before. But the point is, the corruption is still rife. People are still doing what they want. 
The president is still detached, even more so because he doesn't talk to the press, and Lisa Jonathan talks to the press. Okay, so it took this government coming in for me to realize that the things that were wrong with Jonathan could have been fixed maybe in a second term when the pressure of running again was not on his shoulders. What were you? Yeah, some of, some of it is systemic and some of it is what we call uh, the propaganda aspects. So, for example, the Middle Belt and the Northeast are still seriously under siege. Mm -hmm. But what's, what's different is, I don't know what Lai Mohammed and Tinubu have done, but there's no media hysteria like it was under Jonathan. The media seems to be blasé. Oftentimes, it's, it's foreign newspapers or through yeah. sources you hear that yeah. something has happened. But under Jonathan... Even if you threw what they call knockout or banger in Nigeria, it will suddenly find its yeah, way but, one page or big page. Also, because the bombings that happen in more cosmopolitan areas, right? If it happens, no, no, no. If it happens in Abuja, if it happens in Abuja, you're going to hear about it all on social media, right? Because the people in Abuja have more access to these things than the people in the hinterland. No, I mean, look at the kidnapping that was taking place on the Kaduna uh, Abuja Highway. First incidents that were happening that on that Jonathan, people would have think would have thought, what the hell is going on? It's everything is muted. Well, so, the husband crisis is not muted, and this government will pay dearly for it. No, but it, it, it is, they're making noise on social media, but it's not as noisy as it, it was. Things would have been under the previous government. It, the focus would have gone on meltdown. Yeah, so, I, mean, I think the press is still giving this government the benefit of the doubt. Mostly. I mean, is it, is it benefit of the doubt, or is there some kind of financial yeah, I mean, inducement? There's also the fact that the press is largely based in the southwest, so there is also that. I mean, like I said, I talked about TVC. TVC is held by Tinubu allegedly. Much of the much of the press is in the southwest, and they have links with the politicians who are interested in muting these stories. So there's also yes. there's also that aspect, you know. So I mean, it, it's to me, to me now. Hmm? Yeah. Let me be honest. I don't know that if we could redo everything again. Yeah. I would have decided differently. The only thing I would have decided differently is if now Buhari and Jonathan present themselves as candidates, I would go for Jonathan. Knowing everything I know about Buhari's government now and what I know about Jonathan's government, I would choose Jonathan over Buhari at this moment, today. No, but I, if we had to go back, I would do the same thing because I would vote Jonathan because I, I knew Buhari had history. Every single thing that is happening, there's actually nothing that's happening now that Buhari yeah, does not I have a historical... What? But they're, they're books. I wasn't. A, I was. I was only two, but I read, and, and I spoke and, to people who were around. Also, and also, right, the idea of Buhari as a disciplinarian was attractive to Nigerians because they felt the country was bursting at the seams of, of indiscipline, corruption. People doing whatever they wanted. So that idea of him as a man whose mere presence could get people to do the right thing, you know, was quite attractive to a lot of Nigerians. But well, I think we can now see that that was a yeah, foolish yeah, yeah, type was, of thinking it was, it because. Was, it was propaganda, of course. But I've seen tweets even now saying uh, we need a little dose yeah, of. Yeah, but you know, you know those. I beg, I beg. Let's not even discuss that. You, you know what? You know those ones saying that. Please, please, please. Now let's. Let, I mean, we've been going for a while, but this has been such a yeah. great conversation. Let's let's quickly talk about 2019 now, as as it is on ground, because Buhari's here for quote unquote working holiday. They say he returns in ten days. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. You know, he might not return yeah. in 10 days, but we don't know. Okay, as it is right now, he looks to be the APC's candidate. I don't think anything is happening with the APC's concern on the presidential ticket. Um, yeah. So let's look at the opposition. You already know where my vote is going, and you know why I'm going to make the decision that I'm making. I told you. So, I mean, I can go into it a little bit again. 
But let's look at the PvP and the options on the ground right now. We've got Dunkumbo, we've got uh, we've got Slow Lamido, we've got Lamido, we've maybe, got Makaki. right? So maybe Sarafi, but you know he's yep. he's a bit fancy. So how do you, how do you see that going? Well, truth be told, uh, the front runner seems to be Atiku Abubakar. Obviously, the, the difficulty I personally have, I, I agree with his economic and political views, or the ones he's publicly espoused anyway. My main grasp with Atiku is there's this perception, even within the party, that he just seems to jump from platform to platform until he can get what he wants. And I think the strategic mistake he made was actually leaving PDP. Because if Atiku had stayed in PDP... He'd be the front runner with very yes. little contest right now. I yes, agree. he would have been crowned, but I think he miscalculated in the same way I, I think that Fabio has made a miscalculation. That's mm-hmm. the kind of miscalculation Atiku made. Yeah. So, and there's the Obasanjo angle. I don't know if you saw a few days ago, Obasanjo said God will not Forget forgive that him. Guy, Joe. <laughs> I, think, I think he overstates his importance. I mean, the guy lost his local polling booth, for goodness sake. Forget that guy, man. Yes, so no, obviously he, he offers a lot of propaganda. He's very good. He's got mouth. And he's got time to write letters. So, Obasanjo's mouth is in a league of its own. Obasanjo's mouth alone he's is. A, he's like a Yoruba market woman. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, 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 it's crazy. But some, you know, like they think when you get old, you start behaving yourself because death is closer and you want to yeah. be righteous and you get into heaven or whatever they say. Obasanjo <laughs> doesn't appear to care. No, you know, Obasanjo, uh, I think his mother lived very long. So, Obasanjo is still young. I think and his mother still, lived almost 100. So. Physically, he still seems to be well together, you know. So, that's. Yeah. He, he still sees himself as, as young, but he's his mouth. I mean, look at when he told Buhari that if you can't read your if you can't read documents, give one of your aides to read it I to you. Imagine. Yes, <laughs> you know that kind of insult that no one else could have framed, could have put it better. Yeah, because he knows the guy to his house, right? So he yeah. can say certain things. He can say certain things to him that we're like, oh my god, but they know each other. They know where the bodies are buried, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah. so he's a uh, but so that's the one person I think needs to overcome. Then there's uh, McCarthy. The good thing with McCarthy was former governor of Kaduna. He's, he's been a loyal PDP member. He was a senator. And he's a very cool, calm head. And in fact, he was actually Obasanjo's preferred candidate for 2007 before devil possessed him and made him support Yanadua. McCarthy was actually the person he wanted. And I don't know if you know it, but when McCarthy was governor of Kaduna, he used to be called Pastor, Pastor McCarthy because many of the Muslims used to accuse him of favoring Christians. And Christians gave him that name as a sort of uh, uh, term of endearment because he was very fair. Yeah, but now, when, when, when they call you that now, it's derogatory. Yeah, <laughs> no, they call you, but he's very popular in Kaduna because then people knew that if there was a crisis, you could not fair. go and tell McCarthy any kind of nonsense. He would be fair. So he was he was very, very good. The, the diplomats loved him, the Basenjo loved him, but the devil possessed the Basenjo and made him choose your advice. The same fair. devil is still possessing him to Yes. <laughs> so I think, in a strange way, if, if they are looking for someone who will be a team player, party man, and deliver on an agreed agenda, then I think a McCarthy is probably the safest pair of hands the PDP has. Because they know him. He's not he's not an unknown. Like, Atiku is a bit maybe strong-headed or strong-willed. So there's no guarantee that if we agree an agenda, Atiku will stick to it. He'll, he'll be his own man. But McCarthy will be a party man, not in a bad way, but he's the kind of person that if Obasan Joe McKinsey and all the others say, okay, look, this is the agenda, you know, McCarthy. You need will... that. You need that in yeah. politics. You need that. Yeah, so I, I won't be too 
upset about am I brutally wrong but I'm a coffee candidate candidate to, to sit well with me uh Tanquambo too seems to have done a, a good job in Gombe combined with the fact don't, that don't say that don't say that no I've seen uh, I, I have a few old school friends who now live oh. in Gombe until, and until you pull out the jam results the YF results don't tell me your government is doing well no, 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 in terms of, he's built, he's built roads, Gombe has very good roads, and Ma, uh, in terms Michael, of... Michael, he's built roads, really, in 2018. You know, Nigeria, building roads is good. Have you not seen people <laughs> where you give contracts for roads, road disappear? I mean, they said, <laughs> they said, Ambode built some roads that disappeared within like a beg, month. I beg, I beg, I beg. So, so, so this is, and you know, Gombe too has that Christian Muslim divide. But many of my Christian friends who live in Gombe have told me that, look, the guy keeps the peace. That's why if you notice, Boko Haram and none of, none of those issues ever seem yeah, to be... Yeah, we've not heard of any yeah. crises going on in Gombe or anything, I must say. Yeah, must yeah, because say. he's managed it well. And the good thing is, he trained at PwC, so to an extent, he knows how business works. He was a former accountant general of Federation, so obviously he has some good money as well. Good in quotation. He has some yes, money. yes, so, of course, of course. So, yes. so he, he too... He seems like the kind of person that if they give him an agenda, he will run with it. He's not the kind of person who would start his own uh, uh, cabal type government like Yaradua or Buhari is doing. You can't vouch for anything, Terry. Well, obviously, there's no 100% guarantee, but what you do is you look at people's historical behavior. Yeah, that's true. So, past history can tell you how they will behave. Mm, so, Sule Lamido is a, is a party man, he's strong. Well, he strikes me as quite bombastic. Yeah, he, no, yeah, he's 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 a strong he's a strong person, so the kind of person that if he gets the ticket, he will give Buhari a real uh, run for his money. The only concern with Sulu Namido is obviously, on the positive side, he will take education seriously. On the negative side, of, some might I call it positive, but he's more of a socialist. So I worry that many of these economic reforms we're pushing Buhari to put. Like yes. when it comes to Nigeria, I told you this before, I am an American style Republican because that's what yeah. we need right now. Socialism yeah. is when a country has money. We don't have yeah. money. We don't have so that's my worry. My worry is Lamido might not sign up to some of these economic reforms. But in terms of education, because it comes from the Aminu Kano school of politics, Lamido takes education very seriously. We forgot so, someone. Uh, yes, yeah, there's Yeah. Yeah, so Quite was on the other hand. There's Tambua, the Shekarao. So, Kwankwa saw is, you know, many people say Buhari has a cult following. Mm. And that in itself is a problem. Is this cult following that's causing too many problems mm. for APC? Kwankwa saw too has that cult following. Whilst people in PDP see it as a strength, I see it as a serious problem. Because you know they all wear the red cap, they're the mm-hmm. kind who can who can mm-hmm. kill for Kwankwaso and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. And I personally don't think we don't need that stuff again in, in our governance. We need somebody with sensible followers yeah. who we can we have don't, sensible. We don't even need people who follow. We need somebody with ideas, proven ideas. All this follower business while we're here. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with with yeah. followership. Yeah. Everybody has. Yeah. Even I have people I look up to. So it's, it's yeah, good. Well, would you describe yourself as as their follower? I'm a follower of Martin Luther King. I like Nelson Mandela. I These like... people are dead, Michael. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I like people. I think it's it's. Well, the Kwanza problem is like the Buhari thing. It's a cult type of followership where yeah, 
they're ready the, to deploy the violence and all, all kinds of stuff. Religion, all deed on religion and, and, and they don't really see the world as it is today. We don't need that kind of shit. Yes. So I, I think the PDP should be very careful of allowing that kind of crossing in because he's the kind, he's very, very strong-willed as well. He's the kind who will get in there, decide to do his own thing. And if you try to even call him to order, he will now play an ethnic and religious card. You can see why that might be a practice of the PDP because that means he comes in with an inbuilt voting block, so to speak. And that's part of well, Buhari's attraction as well. Yes, but that's, that's the point of the proverb I made when we started, which was you give a mad, it's easy to give a life to a madman, but it's hard to take it off him. If you give someone like Atiku or I mean Kwankwa so the knife, it's easy. But just know that he will take the party in one direction and you yeah. guys can't it'll be hard to get him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't really see uh Tambo's chances of being very high. And he's another one who's moved to the PDP I don't quite trust. Um, I think Tambowal's issue is maybe slightly better than Akpabi in the sense that on the one hand, uh, uh Sambo Dasutu is a is a prince of Sokoto. And you remember they searched not only Sambo Dasuki's house, they also searched his father's house, who's the former Sultan of Sokoto. That's a big, big, big affront. Yes. And the, that's why the, the Sultan and Buhari are not really on uh, good terms. Yeah. Yes. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, bad feeling towards uh, Buhari and Sokoto because they feel like, okay, you detain this dude, the court said set him free. So set him free. Why are you pursuing some kind of strange vendetta? And anybody we're trying to talk to, you're not listening to anybody. So... That angle of the of the Emirate is not is not really on on his side. Mm. So, in many respects, Tambour is going with the political uh, wind or the, the mood of by the jumping to PDP. Yes, by going to PDP. Okay. But so is I think he's just following the wind. But with, within the PDP, the issue with Tambour is they don't trust him. It's the issue with Atiku. He will he will jump ship as yes. soon as feasible. If he doesn't get his own way, or if the if the lay of the land doesn't seem to favor him, he will definitely jump ship. I mean, I think yes. he's very ambitious. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the loyalty aspect is also key because if you're asking certain people to put their own ambitions in check to allow yeah. other people to go forward, they need to understand. They need to know that when their turn comes, they will be able to step up without somebody yeah. jumping in front of them or undermining them by jumping across to another party. So yes. he, he also has that issue. Um, no, and they, they seem as untrustworthy as well. I don't blame them. So for me, I don't agree with you that Atiku is the strongest candidate. I don't agree with you for that because I think Atiku belongs to a school that's on the way out. And I don't know that he has the right political mass. Surely he has money, and money is very important, maybe even the most important factor. But I don't think that he has the right gravitas right now to deal with Who do you with think is the strongest contender? I don't know. Where the PDP is concerned, I don't know because most of these names you're mentioning, if you're into politics, you will know them, but I don't know that they have the same cachet across the country. But no. then again, you're voting for the party, so you don't really care. Who well, well, that's exactly. That, that's the difference between, in many respects, the PDP and the APC. The APC is, is usually is more like a, a one-man movement. But the PDP has always been a party of, of the party. So, I, I mean, right now, the APC is definitely a one-man movement. I think the party will really come into its own post-Buhari if it still exists at that point. Yes, that's because the foundations are not solid. Yeah, I, I yeah, don't, we don't yeah, know. I agree. I think the party will come into its own post-Buhari if it exists then. But with, yeah. the, with the PDP, I don't have any preferred choice for the PDP because I don't know enough about any of them. And for northern candidates, what really concerns me is infant mortality, 
and education. So whoever I think, per, per, per reading up on them or whatever, whoever I think you know has done the best, I will wish the best of luck because I'm not voting PP and I'm not voting APC. So I'm not really concerned. Well, you but belong to the red, given, red card movement. Given, given, given that whoever either party presents has the best chance of winning, I hope that yep. they do choose, that the PP does choose the right person for the sake of the country. Personally, I'll be voting for Kingsley Mohammed, and the reason, like I told you before, is I need to vote for the person I know is the best person. I need to do that, yeah. and I need yeah. to do I need to do that because enough for me. It is the the reason Buhari was a viable choice for me was that I thought the previous government was so bad I had to close my eyes and support the the candidate the APC chose because I wanted the old government gone because I thought it was not doing its job. Now that has failed because this government is a disaster. I can't close my eyes and choose another candidate. I want to well, make my choice and my eyes open and my conscience clear and well, right. But, but I, I think with all due respect, I think your, your formula was wrong the last time. And I think that's the mistake because I agree that, yes, you can say, I'm not happy with this government and I want this government out. But that's not the end of the equation. The next question you have to ask as part of the equation is, is the person coming that you're supporting better than the new person? I thought, and I think, like I said to you, I thought as a whole, not not in its parts, I thought as a whole, it was a better choice, yes. Okay, well then, if you, if you thought Buari was a better choice, then it's fine to vote for him. But I think my calculation for 2019 is, Buhari is bad and needs to go. Mm-hmm. But for me, that's the first step. The next step is, who has the best chance of getting him out? And is that person going to be better than Buhari? Okay, so, so what if it PDP... transpires that the person is not better than Buhari, then what? We will now be coming here to, on next Sundays and Sundays and Sundays well, after it, that it, to it, discuss well, the same I would, I would ask myself that question before I vote for that person. So that's why I say it's a two-stage test. First test is, does Buhari need to go? Okay, I say yes. Secondly, who has the best chance? I'll say, okay, PDP. Then third question is, is the PDP candidate going to be better than Buhari? So if they bring me somebody like Kwan Kwaso, I would happily say, no, 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 no. Let me stay with Buhari. I'm not going to, press, as they say, press my hand for Kwan Kwaso. But if they bring someone like maybe Atiku or Makafi or Dan Kwambo, I'll say, okay, yes. No, I can put, I can, I can press sorry. my hand for this. I'm no yeah. longer interested in playing these games. To me, well, it's called scale of preference. It's not... I, well, even in, I mean, you're, but, you're free to make your choice, but to me, I, no, but, will, I will be, listen, I will be voting for the best candidate. The, but you're forgetting across, that. Across, even the in, array, across the array of candidates present, yes. thus far, until today, in terms of expressing his ideas and what he plans to do for the country, only one person has convinced me thus far, and that's Kingsley Mohammed. Not only but, will I be voting for him, I'll be donating my time to his campaign. But you were telling me earlier about... Uh, idealism and all that how i was the idealist choice that's what you're doing now yeah, because even yeah, in britain or in many european countries i'm the person that have... also voted for labor when i knew that the chances of labor defeating theresa may was slim but i went no, but, my but, no we're, we're talking about england or even some european countries where they have the alternative voting system or in, in england some constituencies where they say look we want the tories out and we yes. know if we vote labor we won't do it. So let's all vote Lib Dem so that Lib Dem can get the Tories out. Yes, so, yes. in a way, that's the kind of thinking what, that we're trying to do. We did. That's what we did with Buhari. No, I think the mistake with Buhari is you guys did not research Buhari's background enough. Anyway, Even Buhari knew he wasn't better than Jonathan. Anyway, the so, point is, Michael, if you want to yeah. vote PDP and you think that the fellow um, the fellow the PDP presents will be better than Buhari, that's a free choice. 
everybody yes. listening, that is a free choice. I agree. And I do hope that the PDP does present somebody better than Buhari, because if he wins and the country wins, I'm fine with I that. agree. But for me, no, no, no. For me personally, personally, yes. I will be voting for the best person on offer. And that, for me, is Kingsley Mohali. That is where I'm pressing my hand for, as they say. That is the person I'm going to work for. Because I think this mentality that, oh, don't vote for this person because they're not going to win has to die. That is the mentality that the current political class plays on. And that is why they don't do their best for the country and for us. So no. there, has to be, there has to come a time where enough is enough of that. And for me, that time is now. Enough, no, I agree. Your, your choice is, is is a valid choice. I'm and not saying it's a valid choice. I'm going to go with Kingsley Mohali, and I, and I urge all of you out there to go and research the guy. Okay, research him, compare him to the mainstream candidates, and make a, make a choice. I hope it's Kingsley Mohali, but even if it's not, if you decide to go with the PDP, hopefully they present the better option. Vote for him. The point, the point is this government has fallen yeah. well short of any reasonable expectation, and it has to go. No, I, I agree. I would also encourage the listeners to please research all the candidates, even the PDP options. Obviously, please stay away from Kwanza Soft, but uh, <laughs> anybody else, please research them and please vote for the best candidate because, like all I say, this is even beyond competence. Buhari is not even turning up for work. He has not even so, addressed Nigerians. Yes, since 2015. He hasn't, he hasn't <laughs> taken questions from the press. He hasn't. Like, you know, before we used to speculate on whether he could talk. Okay, now yeah. at least we know he guy can move his mouth and words come out okay <laughs> what assurance do we have currently that yeah. his brain and i don't mean this in a disrespectful manner but if you're the president of the, of the country you have to be aware of what's going on and have ideas be able to answer questions do you understand what assurance yeah. do we have that currently i mean look at what ha- what's happened with the dss them offering the excuse that uh, the dss uh, dg was doing what he wanted what assurance do we have that this fellow is capable of performing the most basic task of, of his office. We have none. His actions yes. don't tell us that he can. And he won't address the press. He won't speak to Nigerians. No, he's a, he's a fundamentally uh, arrogant type of man. So Buhari is the kind who even gets more annoyed. The fact that pe- people are demanding that he speaks to the press will make him even resolve to not do it. Because he feels like... I mean, I, I, think, I think it's really gotten to the point where you have to ask yourself if you go, if you saying you're interested in voting you have to ask yourself what you want for the country and who can give you that this yeah. idea that the only two viable parties are the APC or PDP needs to die it needs to die and, and that's not me saying you shouldn't vote for the APC or PDP choose whomever you want but don't do oh, yes. so but don't 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 preclude other parties from your considerations look at all vote, people on vote wisely exactly look at all the people on offer read read their manifestos listen to their interviews and make yeah. the best decision as far as you're concerned. Don't be tricked into voting for the APC or PDP because you think those two are the only choices. That is yeah. the that is the okie doke. That is the mental tricks they've been playing on us. And we have to say no because look, I'm of the opinion and Michael disagrees but I'm of the opinion that the APC and PDP are the same in terms of the characters. They are the same. Uh, you can offer, I don't think so. You can offer this idea that the PDP haven't Having been around for much longer than the APC has a culture within it, but ultimately most of the people in the APC today were of the PDP. Well, if I think the logic of the argument is saying like Nigerians are all the same. Well, yes, we are. But what what changes when a Nigerian goes to England? Why do they suddenly start behaving themselves? Well, they do because the system 
causes them to behave right, themselves. Because so, there are consequences. Because yes. there are consequences so, of the law. Are you going to tell me that P2P politicians impose consequences on each other and there's a, so, there's so a the, fantastic well, system and culture within I, I the think My point is, why has the APC been able to tolerate a divisive president in a way that never happened under PDP. Under PDP, oh, there was no way you would have a situation where... There were people making the argument that the, 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 the last administration was also divisive. So but but, that's, but that, that was nonsense. We, to what, you, one, it, to it, you, they can, and to you. There are people who no, no, no. make this point. No, you can list the appointments. You can actually list the appointments. It's an objective thing. It's not like we're arguing theory. List Jonathan's appointments. List your other appointments. List Obasanjo's appointments. And show if they were divisive in the way Buhari has literally, Buhari has cousins in government, nephews and nieces. I'm not making the argument. Well, you are saying people can. There are people who can. But this is not, how how are they going to say can when when we have objective measures? When you meet such a person, you ask them. When you meet such a person, you ask them how, how, and what metrics is it based on, you ask them. I'm not making that argument. Well, but my point is, PDP would not allow that sort of stuff because everything within PDP adopts a what we call federal character approach. Mm-hmm. So you cannot, just, you cannot just after we just this federal character. This guy is going to hold well, up as a virtue. Well, we're saying if you're going to, there's nothing wrong with. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we had this conversation that the point of federal character is stick with merit. So if you're saying somebody from Edo State has to take the job, then the standard you're giving to the Edo person has to be the same standard you're giving to the person from Kano. I agree with that. Yes. So th- there's nothing wrong with the principle, i.e. diversity. In, I mean, oh, even yeah. Diversity even... is definitely a laudable ideal. There's nothing yes, wrong but that's what PDP does. PDP oh. tries to push diversity. But what we're talking about is Buhari appointing nephews and nieces into his government. Listeners, listen to Michael. He's partisan, okay? So... I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm telling you the if truth. If I were you, if I were you, you, you who supported Buhari is accusing me of partisanship. I'm, I, su- I, look, I supported Buhari. I'm not hiding. And I told you I supported Buhari. I thought exactly. this government would have been better not, for the country. And I, and me, I supported Jonathan, Buhari, but I'm not hiding. I'm also telling you now that Buhari is not good for the country because he has not performed according to expectations. I am not. Well, the, only, the only side I am on, Michael, is the side of Nigeria and Nigerians. That is the side well, I am on. Me too. That's the side I'm on. The point I'm member, making is you said there's no different... Of, I am not a member of any political party. Neither they are, am I. They, I don't are remember. All, they are all the same because they, they are populated by the same people whose interests well, are the same. Well, that, well that's the point that's I made. I said, that, I said that's an empty argument because Nigerians in America are the same as Nigerians in Nigeria. It's they the system not, that changes people. They are not. They are not. They're enjoying lights, cold weather. <laughs> But are they not Nigerians? Does their DNA no, change no, where no, they grew no, up with? No, no. no? You, see, you see me as you see me now. Me, I'm British, okay? <laughs> jokes, jokes. But the, the, the point is, listeners, honestly, despite my differences with Michael on this, and I genuinely do believe that they're all the same because they're populated by the same people, if the PDP is a better option, as in they have a better candidate that we feel can do the job, by all means, consider them. You know, Consider them because yeah. we know that the APC is going to offer Buhari, and that's it. And if we present to. somebody that we can objectively see is better than Buhari, then I'm in support of people voting for them. Because, listen, this government, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm genuinely just surprised that, because if this was PDP, they would have helped Buhari pick his appointees and even told him that, look, what is what the hell is your nephew and your, what are your nephew nieces are not to be doing in government? So I'm genuinely surprised that even Tinubu, I'm not people who have sat Buhari down and said, look, what, what is the meaning of this? Well, we shall find 2019 is what? How many months away now? The 
elections are slated for February, so we're talking six months. It's all around the corner. The party primaries are, are, are supposed to happen at the end of this month. So things are really set in motion now. So things will become clearer as, as we go along. You know, this, oh, yes. this has been a very, very long episode. But we had to do that because it's been a while. Michael, you have been great as usual. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's uh, always good chit-chatting on Nigerian politics. Thank you for honouring yeah. the invitation. I mean, I think the point of all this, in case you still don't know, is after 2015, I thought the, the enmity and the rancour was so high that I it was imperative for me, as somebody who cared about youth interaction, young people talking to each other about Nigeria, to get somebody who I disagreed with, with on almost everything politically to talk to me every week and to find common ground. And I think as time progresses, we are finding more common ground we're finding yes. common interest. So yes. in, in that respect, this has been a success. And you know, I urge other people to re- to replicate this across. Even though he still does try to ambush me on Twitter and he's lost. Like recently, <laughs> he tried to ambush me and he lost and he didn't have the decency to apologize. But I, I don't understand. To, I'm going to let you even showed you the screenshot. But Michael, you, you, you're, you're a very well-educated fellow. You saw the tweet yeah. that I tweeted and you saw what you said. Well, you should have well, apologized, but I'm not going to hold that against you. No, no, no. If I you, if you take that case to court, if Saraki sued you for defamation... Listeners, it, listeners, this is what I said. I said, Saraki's a cunning man. I wouldn't put a past him to have organized a raid on his house. Him nor, nor the IG. That's what I said. That's what my tweet said. According yeah. to Michael, I said, Saraki planned... No, I said you claimed. No, 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 no. You you said that I said. You said you said Saraki planned the raid on his house. No, actually said claimed. No, no. You said 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 claimed. You said said. I will show you the tweet after this. After this episode. I now pulled up the tweet where I said I wouldn't put it past Saraki or the IG. And Michael referenced my tweet supports his assertion. This is a highly educated man, ladies and gentlemen. Well, well, you well the point see. is, you can see. If, sure, you see. Well, the thing is, this if you is take that case to court, <laughs> I, the, would the, I would the, win. The, the, I would no, win. There's, there's a legal term called innuendo. No, 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 no. no. Which so, is when you say something so and then you claim you didn't Saraki say it. Saraki could have sued me and the IG could have sued me as well, right? No, Saraki said, could have sued you. Because I said it could, it could have been either one of them. I wouldn't put it yes, past either could have, one. Yes, both of them could have sued you for innuendo. I didn't say either did it. I said I wouldn't put it past but, either of them. There's a difference. Well, well that, no, no, no. Legally, that's why I'm telling you this. There's a legal term called Michael, innuendo. I have, LLB, it's like me, I have an LLB as well. Thank you. Well, well it's like me saying, uh, let me pick a random person. I'll say Fred. Fred is capable of raping that girl. But then again, Tony too is capable of raping that girl. Fred can sue me for def- defamation, I, and I can say, well, yeah. I didn't say it was Fred. If I, if I, I, say, if I, I say, I wouldn't put it past Fred to have done it, but then I wouldn't put it past his neighbor either. Yes. That's different yes, for that, me. That's different for me. That's a difference for me saying Fred is the rapist. No, no, no. That if, if even you just writing in an article, I, I wouldn't be, put I it past Fred to this, do it. You know, that this, is defamation. That is, that literally is innuendo. This is the okie doke I warned you about. Michael is skilled okay. in the no, art please. of the okie doke. Please go go online and call somebody. Say 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 it of someone that you won't put it past them raping someone, I and do. go and make all your argument in court, this, and you'll be surprised. All I know is this is what you're saying now is of 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 skew of no no no. That's the legal term in your endo. Obfuscation. You're obfuscating because you can't. No no no. I'm I'm, I'm not obfuscation. I'm, I'm obfuscation. I'm just telling you. Listeners, listeners, listeners. Don't forget what I said. Please consider all the candidates on offer. And yeah. Michael, Michael is great. Still, he's 
Don't get caught up in this issue, okay? <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I can only give my, my honest opinions as I see it. No, thank you. Thank you, Martin. Yes. I think, I think, I think our exchanges have been very good, and I really, really enjoy this one in particular. Uh, thank you yeah. for honoring the invitation as usual. Please follow Martin on Twitter at Nigeria's Best, and I'm on at Afro7 across all social media platforms. Thank you very much for your time, and we will meet again very soon. Take care.